0: For Health's Sake, A Simple Chat for Better Health. I'm your host, Donna Karras. These podcasts are a publication of Amory Hospital and Clinic, Hudson Hospital and Clinic, Health Partners Clinic, Stillwater, Lakeview Hospital, and Westfields Hospital and Clinic. All are part of a nonprofit healthcare organization committed to enhancing community health. here with a panel from Programs for Change to talk about addiction and codependency. I'll let them introduce themselves. Pete, why don't you go first?
1: My name is Pete Van Duzerts, I'm the Director of Behavioral Health for the Valley Hospital and Clinics in Wisconsin and Minnesota, and I'm also the clinical supervisor for our three Programs for Change Substance Use Disorder Treatment Programs.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Brian Bartlett. I'm the manager of Programs for Change at Hudson Hospital and Westfields Hospital.
3: Hi, I'm Brian Francis, and I'm the manager at Amory Hospital and Clinic Programs for Change.
0: What is the relationship like between the person with an addiction and the codependent person?
1: So, just to kind of set the table here a little bit, when we talk about some of the fundamental things going on with a person who develops an addiction or a substance use disorder. Initially, their relationship with using substances that significantly change mood. So again, we're talking about everything from alcohol to marijuana to prescribed pain medications or other drugs like methamphetamine. In the beginning, their relationship is occasional and they're using it for different reasons, socialize, celebrate, different things like that. But over time, what happens is their relationship gets stronger and stronger. And what I mean by that is they're now starting to rely on these substances and the mood altering effect to shift mood and emotions, sometimes to cope with things like stress, et cetera. What we know in the treatment community is eventually that pattern that gets reinforced stronger and stronger over time can develop into a compulsion. And once it develops into a compulsion, it takes way too high a priority in the person's life. And because of that, a lot of time is spent on thinking about it, planning for it, covering it, dealing with the consequences, etc. And it just becomes very powerfully impactful. And by extension, anyone that is a close in a close relationship with that person or is a family member, maybe a spouse, maybe a parent, maybe a child, is going to be affected by that. But what happens even further is when problems start to occur, the person tends to do what we call double down and go underground. And that means invest even more energy and focus in trying to control their use or limit the consequences and do it secretly. And when they're doing it secretly, that even more powerfully affects the person who's a loved one in their life. And what happens is that locus of focus, that centerpiece of uh, what is kind of dominating their day-to-day life also by extension becomes a dominating factor for the loved one and that's how uh, codependency starts and that's uh, kind of the the crux of the problem
0: for the loved one what is codependency
3: yeah so i i like this topic i think this is a term that gets used quite frequently but not really that all well understood I often hear it referred to as the partner of a person with a substance use disorder and that person is enabling them but it's a whole lot more than that codependency it can be any type of relationship it can be a family relationship with siblings parent child peer romantic within the work community and what happens is in the the codependent person loses their the sense of independence their sense of themselves and they believe that they need to tend to the needs of another person and what happens is they tend to build their entire identity around tending to the needs of other people so in this process put their own needs aside and almost can become hyper vigilant about the the needs of other people in their life. I've sometimes heard it referred to as the disease of the lost self, because along the way, the person completely loses who they are, their interests, their hobbies, their mood, everything is completely dependent on the other person to the point that they can get quite preoccupied with the other person. I've also heard it referred to as the relationship addiction. Just as Pete described chemical dependency, the person who's codependent goes along the same patterns but their drug of choice is this relationship. They get more preoccupied with it, their mood and behavior is dependent on the other person, their tolerance for dysfunction can grow, and they develop this sense of they need to be needed. So it's a hard topic to answer shortly. If I had to summarize it in just a couple sentences, I'd say it's the codependent person, they're consistently prioritizing someone else over themselves. Their mood and behavior is based on this other person, and then the more they focus on providing the support for this person, the more the other person relies on them. the relationship gets more enmeshed, it becomes one-sided and can be quite dysfunctional.
2: It's really important to underscore that as the person who is developing a substance use disorder becomes progressively more wound up in their use, that the person who is developing codependency is becoming progressively more wound up in the person they're they're getting sicker together and typically happens a little bit by little bit by little bit until everybody in the relationship is not functioning very well and it's happened over time.
0: What are signs of codependency? Yeah, so a lot of these are going to be the same
3: things I I answered in the previous question. I believe a lot of it stems from the person having low self-esteem and a fear of rejection. And because of this, they're consistently evaluating the needs of the other person to the point they're actually anticipating what the other person needs as they're going throughout their day they're more focused on how the other person might react what the other person might like than what's going on in their world another sign would be people pleasing to a really unhealthy degree and what i mean by that is they have a really hard time saying no without feeling guilty have a hard time standing up for themselves without feeling guilty Oftentimes, they'll say yes, even when they mean no. I have a difficult time being alone. You may also see the person taking on and enduring some really harmful behaviors or taking on some undue blame, and a lot of that's to avoid conflict, avoid argument, and and to keep the relationship. A lot of self-sacrifice and highlight from the first question, just uh, preoccupied with the other person and some really poor and unhealthy boundaries in the relationship.
1: I wanted to just add a little bit of a description of how this develops because, for the person who has a substance use disorder, as their life, their focus, their attention gets more and more wrapped up in their substance use and all of that, other things in their life go undone or unaddressed or not taken care of. And so, the evolution of codependency is the codependent person ends up filling in the gap. So, doing those things because they need to be done. Taking care of the kids, making sure the bills are paid, what they're doing is they're filling in all the gaps that are caused by the addiction in the in the relationship or in the family system. And not only that, but they end up becoming more and more important to that family or more and more important to that relationship because they are the problem solver, because they are the fire putter outer because people rely on them because they can't rely on the person who has an addiction. And that way they become more important to the family and actually gain more power in that family because they're so needed. So it evolves over time. And there's a real misconception in the the word codependency thinking that the codependent person is dependent and passive. When actually in some ways quite the opposite what they are is hyper responsible they are hyper needed and that's how it starts to become a part of their identity because they get this kind of unasked for unintended feedback or reward for their role in all of this in other words their identity becomes that they help everybody else. They're so nice and they are the ones who turn to and things like that. So that's how it becomes a part of their identity is that they get their sense of ego. They get their sense of value from being the helper and the fixer and the solver and the savior, not intentionally. And they never asked for this. So it's unwittingly, but as, as Brian Bartlett said, it, it evolves over time. And so, I just wanted to be clear about that this person's identity, really what we mean by that is their value is in that role of the codependent person, which is unhealthy. It's too much to ask, and it's at the expense of self. In other words, they're putting everybody else first in front of themselves.
0: A codependent person could exhibit those behaviors in other areas of their life as well. Is that true? Absolutely. They can
2: come out in any relationship. The closer you are to the person who has codependent behaviors, the more likely you are to experience those caretaking, responsibility, assuming behaviors, but it can come out from everybody to coworkers to the next door neighbor.
0: Can a person have codependent behaviors before they're in a relationship with someone with an addiction?
2: Yeah, absolutely. For better or worse, the people who raise us are our first blueprints of how relationships should work. And if any one of us grows up in a family like we've been talking about, where one person is becoming progressively more wrapped up in their addiction, and as a result, progressively less responsible in in every other area of your life, and the other person is becoming progressively more responsible, or as Pete phrased it, hyper responsible. If we learn that's how relationships can go. Many kids develop those hyper responsibility behaviors and they start to show them even as teenagers. And so they might not be in a relationship with somebody who is addictively using a substance, but all of the behaviors are still there and coming out in their relationships and their significant relationships.
1: I would just add that the dynamics of addiction are kind of a perfect storm that's set up for codependency. But there are other kinds of situations that could generate this. For example, if a person has a serious mental illness, other people around that person can become codependent because there's a need, a caretaking need and fill in the gap need, all of that. Even someone who has a very serious or persistent physical illness, their codependency can kind of develop around those issues as well.
0: If the person with an addiction is in recovery, does the codependent stop on its own?
2: Generally not. It's important to understand that this style of codependency, these codependent behaviors, low self-esteem and poor boundary setting and enmeshment in relationships. Those are all changes that have occurred in the codependent person. And so those are behaviors and thought patterns and beliefs about themselves and beliefs about how the world should be and how relationships should be that they will need to deal with on their own. In fact, if they don't, if the person who has an addiction is in recovery, it's gonna make it even harder for that relationship to continue because as the addictive person gets healthy, they're not gonna want any part in the caretaking responsibility, assuming hyper-responsible behaviors of the person who has codependency. And so it's one of the most bitter pills to swallow for families with addiction is that not only does the person who is drinking or using have to change, but almost always every member in the family has to do some work about how they approach relationships, how they deal with themselves and and those close to them. I like to share that it it goes over like how the band Led Zeppelin got its name. Initially said that Led Zeppelin, their music went over like a Led Zeppelin. And that's how this piece of information that somebody who has codependency has to change too. It's hard to swallow, but. Without it, change will not occur.
0: How does someone recover from codependency?
1: So, first of all, you have to be able to recognize that it is occurring, that it's going on, because many people, like I said, they didn't ask for this. It's not intentional, and they're not aware of it. It develops slowly over time. First, identifying that this is going on. Secondly, they have to be motivated to change, because as I tried to describe earlier, there's secondary gain to this. You know, they get they get seen as the hero and the person who is such a nice person or, you know, solves everybody's problems. And with that secondary gain, sometimes it's difficult to let that go. And then third, since a lot of these behaviors and these patterns are at expense of self, meaning it costs my own self to be able to be there for everybody else. The primary thing about recovering from codependency is stopping the focus externally or on others or on problems and starting to focus on self and being your own best steward and that means i come first and i'm responsible for uh, nurturing myself i'm responsible for taking care of myself i'm responsible for protecting myself etc that kind of shift is a dramatic shift and it's not an easy one to let go of those old patterns, but also to learn how to take care of self. And one of the biggest things that has to happen is setting boundaries because the codependent person feels hyper-responsible, so they feel not only responsible for causing other people's feelings and, and struggles, but they also feel responsible for fixing those. And the boundaries is all about, wait, I'm not responsible for that, you are. And setting those boundaries and saying your chaos Your struggles, your strife are yours. I care about them, but they're not my responsibility. So that's a big thing is setting those boundaries. I sometimes use the, the depiction of a codependent person over time, grows antenna, where they're always sensing and, and touching and, and figuring out How's everybody else doing? How are you doing? You're okay. Do I need anything? That kind of thing. And recovery from codependency is having an antennaectomy, which is knock it off quit focusing on others. And so then it's building up of self. And building up self is what are my needs? What are my values? What's important to me? How do I help myself grow? And so sometimes that does take some guidance and teaching and support along the way to recover from codependency.
0: When you talk about recognizing if you have codependency behaviors and your loved one is in, say, programs for change, getting help with recovery, are you helping the family members recognize those issues in the family?
1: Yeah. So we invite family members to become involved in the treatment process right from the start, in the assessment process, and then involved in some uh, counseling. They can come to our lectures and learn about this process. But like Brian Bartlett said, identifying it is not always welcome and so it kind of depends where that person is if they're receptive to it for example but we are more than willing to help a direct family members where they can get more support some guidance possibly through counseling possibly through self-help programs possibly just plain learning opportunities so they can themselves start on their path for recovery
0: well this is really helpful thank you thanks for listening